starting up with VirtuZone on Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to the Starting Up with VirtuZone podcast as we bring you some of the best bits from the most recent episode. Uh, hosted by myself, Tom Urquhart, alongside the chairman of VirtuZone, Mr Neil Petch. Neil, in fact, gave us uh, some great advice on how to take advantage of your Ramadan hours. A lot of people take advantage of a bit of extra time on their plate to pursue some of their dreams. Is this the perfect time of year to get that business plan in place? And if so, how can VirtuZone help you? Also, holy month of Ramadan. It was day one, in fact, of the holy month of Ramadan. Uh, We featured a couple of business who were set up and were specifically developed to give back to the community. Uh, We were joined by the founders of both the Zola Collective and Eduployment to find out about their business models. And a couple of big names in the studio as well for our success spotlight when we were joined by Coach Nick and Nabil Jabari. So, two friends, two co-founders, if you like, Coach Nick, train some of the biggest football stars from across the globe whenever they come to Dubai and more and more of them are now coming to Dubai and Nabil Jabari with a history and a career in hospitality here has set up his own enterprise the Secret Circle Concierge to create bespoke experiences for the big name footballers and big name sports stars when they're here in Dubai so interesting to see how both these two values both these two companies work in tandem that's all right here uh, on the Starting Up with Virtue Zone podcast, only available on Dubai Eye 103.8. Starting Up with Virtue Zone on Dubai Eye 103.8. This is Starting Up with Virtue Zone. It is myself, Tom Urquhart, and of course, Mr. Neil Petch. The chairman of Virtue Zone is in the house. Mr. P, always good to see you. A, a fruitful week for all things Virtue Zone. So good that I had a meeting on the 132nd floor of the Burj Khalifa yesterday, and there are only 123 floors there. How did I do that? Because you can do anything in Dubai, Tom. <laughs> uh, quite the view up there, then, yeah? <laughs> quite Or was the it view. a cloudy day? That's, uh, just quite your luck. the view, and our hosts were, were from China, and <gasps> oh my lord, chaps, they've got three brand new football pitches. They're building the biggest sports city in the world, just absolutely incredible. And of course, what is their objective? China to host and win the World Cup. Look at that. Neil Perch is just it is just synergy personified there because you have Patrice there, your paddle partner, Tom. Uh, really? Okay, has he, has, he, has he survived the ordeal or not? He survived he, he, he's <laughs> mentally scarred from He's still from, talking to you after that. It's the only he? time he's ever lost at paddle, Tom. <laughs> Patrice Ever, can you uh, believe it? He probably needs more conditioning from you guys. <laughs> I'll take care of him. I'll talk to him. Listen, this it's all started already. Uh, listen, let's get into our first guest if we can, because Dubai is not only home to world-class sports tournaments, it's also a favourite destination for sports stars who enjoy training and getting some well, uh, well-earned R&R here in the city. We're joined now by two gentlemen who always know when these stars come to town, because, well... It's their business. Our feature guests for today's success spotlight are uh, the the power coach himself. Uh, Coach Nick Somaris is uh, known as the power coach around town. He's the head coach at Dubai Athletic Performance. Uh, Nick, always good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Joining him, the CEO of Secret Circle Concierge, his business partner of Coach Nick, Nabil Jabari, joining us as well. Nabil, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Gentlemen, it's an absolute pleasure to have you with us here today, Uh, especially with so much going on around town. Let's start with you, Nick, because, listen, as I hinted there, you work with 
some of the biggest names in football. I've got the list in front of and me. And I mean, Saeed Ben-Rama. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Saeed could well be listening to this show at the moment. Saeed, if you are, uh, our, our hopes are with you, of course, for the rest of the season. Uh, some of the biggest names, uh, the, the Alexander Arnagals, the Rudigers, the Benzemas, the Ben-Ramas, that goes, the list goes on and on. Um, what's, what's different about strength and conditioning or training an elite athlete, such as a Premier League footballer, compared to me and Neil? <laughs> it's almost <laughs> the same, to be honest. Thank no. you very much. Okay, <laughs> Thanks the for checks coming. in the post. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one also because in Dubai, you know, um, very often these guys, I'm not training them so much during the season. Yeah, They come during the off-season, they come during the international breaks. So we have to find that balance of giving them good quality uh, training, but at the same time making sure they're recovering so that they're ready to go back to their team. Um, yeah, so, so you know, for, for you guys, it would be like we would put a program together, you know, for three months and then go through all the phases. With them, it's finding that balance, so we have to check, you know, did they go out maybe uh, a bit late the night before? Are they a bit tired from the season? How many games they played? So there's a lot of factors involved in there. So I think for, for this, this is why we've been, one of the reasons why we've been so successful is because the team that we have is, you know, we, we basically, for Dubai Athletic Performance, picked the best experts from different fields. So we have the best for the pitch work, we have the best, uh, best for the uh, rehab or physiotherapy and the best for the SNC uh, training. And then we all work together as a unit and give them the best of what they need, basically. So you're taking care of the, 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 the fitness uh, and the conditioning side of things. But uh, I suppose one question I was about to ask you, Nick, but I'm going to ask uh, your friend and partner, Bill, because I was going to ask why Dubai. You know, they could, uh, they could access any training facility anywhere in the world with the assets they have at hand. And yet more and more elite athletes, not just in the world of football, in the world of sport, um, in the, in, uh, actors, uh, actresses are coming to town for that purpose. And Nabil, you've sort of seen that niche in the market as well. You are the CEO of Secret Circle Concierge. Your background is hospitality, so you know a thing or two about what this town has to offer there. Again, why, why, when did you notice that there was a business opportunity here to team up with someone like Nabil and corner that sports celebrity market? Yeah, so I came uh, to Dubai in 2015 and I was working at that time for a big hotel called The Atlantis. And I was managing a beach club uh, at that time and I, I had a lot of requests already from people. They come into Dubai asking me, uh, what can I do today? Can you help me with bookings? And I knew a lot of footballers also at that time already and then in 2017 i thought like okay i work now all my life in hotels uh, all over the world london germany i did the whole hotel management school so it was time for something new and i saw that niche and um yeah 2017 i started the company and then every year it's getting better and um yeah dubai has been a great place it's my home i cannot um, see myself anywhere else in the world and as you said dubai is like a place where people like to come because of the weather it's very safe um, so there's there's so many things to do and also it's very close to Europe like six seven hours so that's why we have sometimes Premier League players coming just for two three days because they have a long season whenever they have uh, have a few days off so they come straight away so the two the two services complement each yeah. other is there ever the opportunity is there ever the time Nick though that you give uh, your friend Nabil a call and say Nabil you know they're here for conditioning. They're here for a bit of fitness. Yes, you yes, had them yes. in Salt Bay until 3am this morning. What's going on? We have that yeah, it happens time. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it 
<laughs> we, yeah, that's this is why you know it's good to have a good teamwork and and good. Uh, we get along really well. You know, I I started my business also around the same time as Nabil and. I was actually training Benzema already, and that's how I met uh, Nabil. Because basically, I went with Karim to to find a villa for him, and Nabil was the one showing him a villa. And then we said, actually, you know, what we do works really well together. But yeah, f- for sure, depending on the the international break or the off season, sometimes I'm the one that's more busy because <laughs> the guys are working a bit more. Sometimes Nabil is more busy, and yeah. me, I'm just like you know showing up in the morning, and no one's showing yeah. up. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we argue about this. We say, yeah, like wh- why are they out so long? He canceled this morning and stuff. I said, man. So I what's told the you secret? The How do you get in Nabil's <laughs> secret circle? Uh, yeah, it's How a great get... name, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just, you know, sometimes it's the timing and it just worked out really well, you know. Uh, we both have a very similar vision, the way we do things. Like I said earlier, basically, we, we why I think we're unique also is because we're very qualified. Like he studied in hospitality. I've, I've got my bachelor degree in science and uh, kinesiology from McGill University in Canada. So we basically teamed up, you know, the best people at what they do. So I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a physio. I'm not uh, that good with the ball also. So what I do is, you know, we find the best people for this. We bring him on board. And then like this morning, just now I finished a couple sessions with some players. I did the gym and then they went onto the pitch, you know, at the at the gym um, with my guy. And then I started the next session with your next guys. And then we worked. So like guys, this. We, we got a lot of startups listening to this show. Too busy to keep fit, too busy to be. You know, in 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 good shape and 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 mind and mind, I think is something. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had the opportunity to meet a few supreme athletes, as as you say, and the mental side of things is is a huge part of it, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge. The way they just yeah, pay attention to tiny details. Yeah. And do do you have what have you learned from them that you can pass on to our entrepreneurs when they decide they want to get fit? Yeah, yeah. Like you said, the mind. I think the mindset, the discipline. Um, you know, it's very easy for for any athlete when you start to be a bit successful to sort of sit back and enjoy, you know, and get carried away with everything. But the top ones that we've seen, you know, it's been many years we work yeah. with top people. Um, the the thing that they all have in common is that you know it's their work, so they'll come in, do their work in the morning. They're there at eight, nine, ten a.m. in the morning, and then they will go and enjoy the day, you know, and and relax and do whatever they want if they want to go out. But even if they do go out. You know, like I've had some players like just this morning, they were out till a bit late and they still showed up this morning for the session. Yeah. And this is where you see which guys are going to make it in the future. And like you I've can had see the difference also from yeah. the, let's say, world, world class than world class. Like I mm-hmm. like we, we spoke, Nick and me, we spoke about this many times before. I can see like, okay, these guys are the top 20 of the world and the rest, okay, they're professionals, but they're not on their level because of the life they live, how they behave, mm-hmm. how they move in public is, is such a big difference. With the honorable exception of George Best, who went missing <laughs> quite a lot, right? Miss, Miss Asia, <laughs> Miss England. Yeah. Um, just in terms of that, Nabil, I mean, I'm, uh, look, you're no stranger to this part of the world. You've, you, you know this part of the world for a long time. You call this part of the world home as well. I remember, you know, and I've always run this table, I've been here for a while. I remember, you know, where you used to see sporting celebrities come to town, but it literally would be for a couple of weeks' holiday, etc. Now, as you mentioned, Patrice Evra, Conor McGregor, the list is endless at the moment, are calling this place, if not home, it's home for part of the year as well. They're using it as a base. Are we seeing more of that, and will we see yet more of it moving forward? 
definitely i'm sure uh we're gonna see more because as you said there's a lot of like uh even let's say uh retired players uh we have all the time ronaldinho here we have like all these ex legends i have lothar Matthäus coming for the first time to me as a german legend i'm german he's coming in april so all these people are also like very um good with dubai sports council they work very close together they feel like they they're giving them a platform where they they help them to open businesses so i think um yeah definitely also in terms of uh, football teams i see like we we had this year like four football teams already and uh, every year there's like maybe eight to ten camps and yeah dubai is a safe place uh, dubai is great i think um when you i say this always like it's really like a place like where you can get successful i'm from europe but i i, I see dubai it gives you much more opportunities um if you're willing to work hard and you're living in an inspiring city like it's very like motivation motivational i've been here now almost nine, ten years and i i'm still not uh, tired of it and yeah i just want to get a quick question as well uh, if i may about uh, to you nick uh, coach nick i should say got to get a coach in as well otherwise <laughs> otherwise i'll be down doing press ups or something like that and that will, <laughs> that's not pretty but coach nick i mean just in terms of confidentiality you know a lot of people will be coming in they're going you know it's fine tell everyone that we're here i mean i'm sure there's a couple of players in town at the moment they're happy for you to tell us that they're here who's mm-hmm. here at the moment well yeah ben rama just left but uh, yeah there's a couple of players also from uh, uh, Nottingham Forest from uh, from Championship from the Belgium, yeah. But there's, there's a question, I suppose. It, uh, there will be those that come in and don't want to know. The mm-hmm. People don't want to know they're here. Is that something that you offer as well? That confidentiality element? Yeah, I think uh, both of us. But you know, for me, <laughs> luckily, you know, they don't usually. It, it looks good for them to show that they're training because Brilliant. you know, yeah. if anybody finds out that oh, they went off to Dubai and they don't know, uh, no one knows what they're doing. <laughs> like we've had we've had uh, you know guys that come in let's say for five days or one week and all they do is you know enjoy Dubai basically but then we'll get in one session in the week and this is what they want to post because it looks good for everybody right yeah. the team is happy the agents are happy you know the value goes up this is how it works nowadays you a bit like again Benzema is very good at this he, he controls his image obviously he's a hard worker but everybody knows that he's a word, hard worker because these are the things he posts. He posts every night. He's in the gym. He's training, yeah. and, and and then your value gets your image now, your brand, your reputation. So, yeah. you know, you have to know how to. Uh, so, if, so for me, it, it works really well. A lot of players actually ask us for professional like uh, videos yeah. of them training, and and you know, very often, even sometimes guys that don't have a team, they'll post videos like that, and then there's a lot of agents and teams reaching out because they see that those guys are still putting in the work and all that. You know, the bill. Uh, obviously, success at the moment. Uh, you're working together. It's this great joint venture as well, bringing together two services that complement each other as well. What's the the future hold for you guys as well, working together? Is there something you're going to formalise a little bit more moving forward? Uh, we're looking at um, maybe opening something together soon. We cannot speak about it yet, but uh, I think this is the next step because year by year we develop we're looking always um what to improve and uh i think coach nick can tell you more about it but uh, i think this is the next step and um yeah nick right? quick question uh, coming through uh, from one of our listeners out there mm-hmm. are there enough world-class facilities training facilities here in the uae to complement all the big names that we've been talking about there there's a there's some really good facilities and now like we mentioned earlier there's a lot more being built also you know but I think, you know, what's missing also is you need to have the proper team for this, yeah. So you, may, you might have the, the best facilities, 
uh, in the world. But if you don't have the right coaches, physios, team around that, then it's it's a bit useless, you know. So this is this is why as Dubai Athletic Performance, Dubai Athletic Performance actually, I just started it after the summer, yeah. So we had I had basically sixty players over the summer. Before, like during the World Cup, we had over 50 players. So when we started the company, we put everything together, and now there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of things that we can do in the future. So everybody's reaching out with some ideas and, and opportunities. But yeah, there, there's there's definitely really good facilities here. But I think it's also what we need to improve a bit is the the structure, you know, from the ground up. Yeah. Listen, fellas, we could talk for a lot longer on this one. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but not, though, before we give the opportunity for people to find out more. And I can add it to a couple of questions that have come through for, for Neil and myself here to pose, to pose to you guys. So first up to uh, 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 Coach Nick, um, the power coach uh, here. Uh, Dubai Athletic Performance, people asking, is it only for elite athletes or is it open to others? And if so... How do people find out more? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I, I was just thinking I forgot to mention that. <laughs> so basically, you know, speaking of we're bringing in all the pieces together, uh, the partner that I'm, I'm having also for Dubai Athletic Performance, he's coming in from Manchester United and he works for, for the academy over there and stuff. So he's coming in. Uh, he's got also the most uh, successful, successful uh, private academy in Liverpool. So basically, um, you know, the idea is to bring that here and be be able to offer the best quality services to also the the youth. So we want to help, you know, all the young players that want to make it. This is what we love to do also. That's our passion. So, you know, we're putting the right team together. Uh, and we've started that in the past couple of months, actually, yeah, working a lot more with young players to help them develop and, and get to the top. Where do people go to find out more about Dubai Athletic Performance? Uh, the, the Instagram is the easiest usually. So same as Coach Nick, you know, Coach Nick underscore, okay. And then Dubai AP is the, the company uh, page. Dubai AP, good on you. And uh, Nabil, question coming here from... Uh, Neil uh, in Jamira. Neil wants to know how does he get into the secret circle? He can just contact us and uh, anything he needs 24-7 we're always available. That's our slogan. Always available. The secret circle concierge is your business. How do people find out more? Uh, also about the website uh, Instagram um, but word of mouth is our strongest part. I Still think. is, is it? Yes, yes, 100%. Love that. I love Absolutely. that. With all yeah. the technology out there, it's still yes. word of mouth. Yes. It's still the word of mouth in this town, is yes. it not? Uh, listen, Nabil, uh, Coach Nick, thank you so much indeed for thank your time. You. All the best with you. uh, the going forward. And thank you so much indeed for, for joining us live here in studio. Uh, right up next, in the spirit of Ramadan, let's highlight businesses who are giving back to the community. This is Starting Up, uh, live on Dubai Eye 103.8. This is Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business set up with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Starting up with Virtue Zone live on Dubai I one of three point eight, Tom Cut and Neil Petch in the studio. Ramadan Kareem to one and all. Thanks very much indeed for tuning in. Uh, let's talk about businesses who give back to the community. What an opportunity uh, over the course of the next four weeks of the holy month of Ramadan. They've always existed, but they've become even more important, especially to the younger generation. Uh, let me give you some stats here. Reportedly, 73% of Gen Z only buy from brands that they believe in. 70% say they try to purchase products from companies they consider ethical. So in order to become the brand of choice for Gen Z, companies need to not only communicate, but also act with ethical standards. Let's hear now from Lizzie Howitt, 
Lizzie is the business director of Light Blue, a creative experience agency. Gen Z, who are considered an authentic, values-oriented and expressive group, are demanding transparency and are shifting support to brands that support causes that they really care about. Labour practices, inclusivity, sustainability and diversity. Brands really need to be honest. They need to be fully transparent with their consumers. Being inclusive is a given and more so they want brands to practice what they preach. They really won't be fooled by what you say you're going to do through marketing messages. So what if operating a more sustainable business practice affects your bottom line? Gen Z really want to see action. Those are the thoughts of Lizzie Howitt. Time now for us to uh, get to know two UA startups that put ethical standards at the very core of their businesses. Uh, With her team, uh, they bring in sustainable products from Africa. They support communities there by giving them a stable source of income. I am referring to, of course, the co-founder of the Zola Collective, Anusha Matani, who joined us live here in the studio. Anusha, good afternoon to you. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for being with us. Uh, And joining you for our little panel discussion today is the team from Eduployment, a global online recruitment platform for blue-collar workers whose mission... A central mission is to upskill them with critical English language skills. Pleasure to welcome back into the studio uh, the co-founder and the CEO of Eduployment, Mazen Amer. Mazen, thanks for being with us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Right. We'll see you again. Mazen, I'm going to start with you, if I may, about the business as well. Um, I know you've explained to listeners uh, uh, here on Dubai Eye in the past the, very, the, the, the true core concept of the business. But I suppose... In light of the conversation we're having today, why did you feel there was a need for it? They always say, don't they, that businesses solve problems. What was the problem that you were solving? So, look, over the last 14 plus years, we have hired in our previous business hundreds and hundreds of uh, blue collar workers. And uh, most of them we've interviewed uh, personally and know the struggles and, and, and challenges that they've had coming here, as well as the impact having. Uh, fair work has had on their life, right? So this was a very palpable firsthand experience with us. And what we realized that is that most of them have a challenge in being able to access these jobs, either because, you know, back home from whichever country they come from, there's limited jobs. They uh, also don't have the English skills that are required for a lot of the uh, job opportunities abroad. And they don't know how to crack the system, right? And the existing ecosystem of traditional recruiting agencies is unfortunately full of a lot of challenges, including significant costs to those candidates if they get a job through them that can range from 900 to $3,000. And we're already impoverished. I mean, they end up going into debt to go into that job and spend the first two to three years just paying that off. So, I mean, quite a lot of hardship for people that are already starting, you know, from an underprivileged background. So really our motivation was to, to, to solve that problem for them, for the candidates, as well as for the employers, having been the employer, of finding those right people and finding those uh, and, quickly. And, Anusha, just in terms of introduction to our, to our listeners and viewers, I mean, from your perspective, the same question to you. Who did, who did you want to help and, uh, uh, and why? So my co-founder Misha and I both uh, have roots in Africa. I grew up in Uganda and Misha is currently based in Kenya. And we realized that there were loads of indigenous natural uh, products that were grown in Africa that people across the world were demanding. Um, but didn't have access to. And so our mission at the Zola Collective was to support these small-scale farmers and NGOs who were producing natural products like extra virgin avocado oil or macadamia nuts, peppermint tea, and helping them 
export out of Africa um, in order to make sure that their products were well known abroad and that they had a stable source of income through international exports. It's, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it, Neil? Because, you know, gone are the days that you, CSR, social responsibility within the community or corporately, was a box that one needed to tick. It now needs to be part of businesses to be taken seriously. I think it's also, you know, your employees, as your your stats have shown earlier, do care about this a lot more than was previously the case. There was an aspect of a glib tick of a box uh, a few years ago from some organisations, not from everybody, obviously. But now you're not just helping people. I would suggest that you are motivating your staff. You're able to recruit better staff because they want to come to this sort of thing. So it's, it really is a win-win situation. I wanted to ask a question. I suppose business is at the very core of, of what we talk about here, but business with a difference. And, mm. and, and you two are two organisations that are, are making businesses that make a difference as well. How do you make the balancing act, Anusha, between business and a drive for profit in order to keep your business alive and social impact? Uh, That's a really good question. So we founded the Zola Collective as a social enterprise, uh, which means that we do aim to drive a profitable business, but with uh, social impact at our core. Um, And how we ensure this is by making sure that Misha, my co-founder, is always in touch with the communities that we source from, ensuring that we're paying a fair price for the products we source um, and never compromising or negotiating with them on the price, but looking at alternative ways uh, to cut costs that don't involve compromising the communities that we source from. And... um, I think it's also important for us as a social business to have partners, whether it's uh, investors or retailers who have a similar mindset and aren't chasing price cuts or, or um, uh, you know, better profit margins, but actually care about the, the communities that we source from and having an ethical supply chain. Mazen, is it, is it a fine line? I think not, actually, to be slightly on the controversial side, because I think when you're looking at setting up a social enterprise or social impact business, multiple terms referring to the same thing, the real novelty of it is that it's it's at the core of the business model is having that impact and that positive impact. It's not something that you're adopting, which is back to what you were saying, you know, versus a CSR or a corporate would say, we're going to adopt XYZ cause, yeah. uh, you know, cause as our CSR initiative. Mm. That's kind of an after the fact. But with a social enterprise, the whole business model is based on that. So in the example of a deployment, you know, <clears throat> when an employer hires a candidate through us, the placement fee they pay to us and, you know, for funding with that candidate, we pass 100% of that amount back to the specific candidate they hired in the forms of free coupons to our platform that that candidate can share with their friends and family back home so they can learn English and get a better job. So you see, this is a fundamental aspect of the design of the business model. It's not saying we're going to give 10% of our revenues to you know some charity, which is great stuff, and that needs to be continued. But in a social impact business, that impact is part of the core of the business model. It's That's not brilliant, Mazen. So you're also uh, encouraging stickiness of, of your customers and yeah. you're getting referrals at the same time. Yes, thank you. So yes, it, That's it's exactly that. So it's unashamedly good business. Yeah. Right, because it, it's, it's, it creates that virality effect, the network mm-hmm. effect, as mm-hmm. well you know, as well as you know drive the stickiness. At the same time, we're helping other people. Yeah. We're helping people up. We're going to take right. a quick breather here on starting up with Virtue Zone. When we come out, though, we want to talk about the challenges involved with running a social enterprise with our special guest. You're 
listening to Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business setup with no regrets on Dubai Eye 103.8. Yeah, starting up with Virtue Zone live here on Dubai Eye 103.8 uh, with me, Tom Urquhart, and of course, the chairman of Virtue Zone, Mr. Neil Petch, in studio with me throughout this hour. It is uh, a warm Ramadan Kareem to everyone that's listening, and of course, to our special guest here in studio, the co founder of the Zola Collective, Anushna Matani, who stuck around with us. Uh, Ramadan Kareem to you. Ramadan Kareem. And of course, the co founder and the CEO of Eduployment as well, Mazen Amir Ramadan Kareem. A big thanks to both guests for being with us here. Okay, um, we are talking social enterprises. Uh, We are asking you to keep your thoughts coming in at the moment, as we know uh, that this is obviously a sector of the job market, a sector uh, of industry that is growing uh, fundamentally at the moment. Um, Anusha, all businesses come with challenges, what are the challenges that you would highlight at the moment or would like to address when it comes to running a social enterprise? Um, I think one of the, the, the main challenges that we have is uh, building a brand around social impact and educating potential customers about why they should shop from a social business versus an existing business or an unbranded product that they don't necessarily know the source of. Um, And that's something that we've been trying to do for the past two years, really spreading the message about why it's important to source for something that's ethical and sustainable, that doesn't harm the environment or take away from it, um, but is sourced responsibly so that there's enough left for future generations. Uh, And I think that's a message that we're starting to get out there now. And it's something that Gen Z are very conscious of, uh, but it has taken us a while to get more traditional customers to make the switch. Uh, But it is something that we are starting to see in this region, which is customers becoming more conscious. Mazen, is the the message getting across? The message gets across, but I think there's, uh, you know, depending on the sector you're in, the challenges can be different, right? So, for example, for us, you know, we lead with our social impact message. But then when you're talking to the clients, you know, the, the employers that we're looking to get on the platform, a lot of the recruiting managers, you know, can have a level of skepticism, right? They're not, they would think that you're a social impact, oh, this is a charity, you know, is this really going to work? Is this really going to solve my problems, right? So we learned that, you know, depending on who we're, or what level we're communicating with, we have to tune our message. So if we're talking to the CEO or C-suite level, our social impact message resonates. If you're talking to the, uh, let's say, the mid-management or lower management, what they're interested in is getting the job done faster, better, right? And so you have to tune that, you know, tone down the whole social impact message and say this. So that's a challenge. Another challenge we've had is actually on the fundraising side, where you talk to a lot of the um, investors uh, around the region. And there's, it's it's still very nascent space, you know, that uh, the social impact investing, where they, you know, we've had investors love everything we're doing and at the end say, you know, can you just separate the nonprofit from the profit part of the business? I was like, uh, <laughs> no, you can't. You know, it's, it's part and parcel. You cannot, you can, this is not a CSR thing. This is part of that same thing. So you get a lot of those kind of different challenges. People look at it, you know, maybe with a strong level of skepticism um, and uh, we're hoping to prove all of them wrong and definitely on the, on the client side, you know, we're actually delivering fantastic value for them. 
in terms of uh, being able to help them find you know fa- better qualified candidates faster, cheaper, and do good. What I love so, about this though is is you know these guys don't have a great uh, the greatest of of lives. They mm-hmm. yes they're doing wonderful things for their family, but you so you're giving them that initial push to start improving themselves. Once mm-hmm. they've got the bug, hopefully they're going to improve themselves in in other areas as well and that's and that's good for someone that's employing them because you want ambitious people 100 percent. we looked at uh, you know the way we look at it is english language skills is the master key to the future right and so that is our social impact bit we're helping teaching them english Mm. on an app from their native language you know where you can have better effectiveness in teaching when you're teaching an adult from their own language instead of from english uh to achieve that and we see that as basically empowering these candidates with a lifetime of upskilling and employment because once they've learned English and they've got some employment and some income, they can go on and learn whatever they want. Um, I'm going to push you both for a little bit of advice. I mean, the, 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 the premise of this show is to proffer advice to those wanting to start up a business. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, whether that be somebody who's got their idea, that somebody that's solving a problem. If, if people want to drive social change, I mean, what's your advice, both of you, in terms of uh, those that are thinking about making a difference. I suppose an element of the question I want to ask as well, Mazin, is if people have a startup already out there and are thinking, oh, yeah, I'd like to do my bit as well, can you retrofit a business to social change? I'm sure you can, but I don't know if that's actually how it works, right? <laughs> I mean, because, listen, starting a business is hard work, and I'm sure Neil can attest to this. I mean, it's, I mean, this is not our first time starting a business. It's hard work, and if it doesn't, if it's not something that comes from your core, meaning the purpose that you're going after, it's not something that resonated in your core and caused you to actually jump off the cliff and start the business, you're not, my, my suspicion is you're not going to make it through yeah. because you need that resolve to make it through the ups and downs of the journey of, of being a, a startup founder. And I can, I can see Anusha's nodding her head because that's what it is. It's got to be something that resonates. In our case, my co-founder and I were sitting on a conference and a gentleman was talking about this idea of purpose-driven businesses, which as, an, as a middle-aged gentleman I'd never heard of. And it was somebody, like somebody invented water. And I just looked at her and I said, listen, if we find the right purpose and it comes from our core, I think we'd be unstoppable. Yeah. Right? And that purpose to us is education. Right, and that's something that absolutely we know. We are sitting where we are today in life, with whatever fortune or misfortune we've had, because of the education. Mm. And we knew that if we built a business around that, that's what it is, and that's what sustains us, right? Because there's many, many dark moments in the journey, right? And, then, and if it was just like a cause that you adopted and retrofitted, yeah, it'll show. Yeah, it, it, it won't stick, right? It'll show. Yeah, I think I'd I'd 100% agree with what Mazin just said. If it's not at the core of your business, it would it would almost feel like it was force fed, um, or it was just like a CSR box that someone was trying to tick off. Um, and you can tell, in my opinion, businesses apart. Uh, for example, very large corporates who are forcing a sustainability initiative um, but aren't actually doing anything to support the environment or the communities that they source from but are just putting it on their packaging Uh, you can tell that apart from brands that are actually on the ground meeting the communities that they're impacting and and, and actually making an impact One bit of advice for those listening in this afternoon who are thinking of starting up a business that will drive social change 
I have a couple of points and I get asked this question quite a lot. Um, my two cents would be find a great co-founder who you can work with really well and you have synergies with. Um, and number two, like don't be afraid to take the plunge. Um, start as soon as you have an idea and act instantaneously. There's going to be lots of ups and downs, but start as soon as you can. Like don't hesitate to start. Great to have you with us. If people want to find out more about the Zola Collective... Yeah, of course, they can uh, go online on thezolacollective.com and we're also available in Carrefour in Mall of the Emirates. Nice, get yourself down there. And of course, the same question to Mazen as well from Edupployment. Where do people find out more about Edupployment and what is your... What is your what is your one piece of advice you want people to take away from this conversation? So one piece one piece of advice would be if you are motivated to start a social impact business, please go ahead and do it. Yeah. Take the plunge, uh, don't hesitate. Um, in terms of where to find us, we are online at deployment.com, E-D-U-P-L-O-Y-M-E-N-T, so education employment, and on the Apple and uh, Android Play stores to download our app at deployment. Can't thank you enough for joining us this thank afternoon. Um, I'm glad we did that. On yeah, I really admire both our guests because it, it's it's the lazy route to sell on price. And a lot of people might be listening, thinking, "Yeah, yeah, that's all very good," but at the end of the day, the jar on the on the shelf is going to be such and such a price. The youth of today, they're more demanding. They look for these things. My daughter, Kira, she'll be looking for your <laughs> products. I can tell you that. And it means something to her. Yeah. And that's because they're educated in schools about it. So you can have an impact and you can have a regular customer for an awfully long time. Anusha Mazen, thank you very much indeed for your time. A big thanks to our special guest for joining us live on the show. You're listening to Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business setup with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Starting Up with Virtue Zone live here on Dubai Eye 103.8. Now, big thanks to all of our guests uh, and a big thanks to Mr Neil Petch or Dr Neil Petch because we wrap things up with the company clinic, an opportunity for you to get your questions in and they're coming in to Dr Neil for us this afternoon. That's great news. Uh, thanks very much indeed. Um, listen, uh, just out of interest though, is, is Ramadan... Traditionally, obviously, a bit of a sort of slowdown for a number of individuals with good reason, a time of reflection, etc. Um, is it is it a busy time for Virtue Zone? Am I allowed to put my selfish cap on? I love Ramadan. And for all the reasons that you've said, but also it gives people the chance to do a little bit of planning, to be proactive and to come and visit Virtue Zone. Yeah. Because if you want to have a side hustle, now's the time to set it up. All these people coming to Dubai, more customers than ever, get going. It is a time where people to it's time for reflection as well. And because we work and live at such a fast pace here in Dubai and in the UAE, it is that time where you can go, you know what, this is the time where I need to put the infrastructure in to do the things that I've been promising I was going to do. It's a, I, th- I think Ramadan is a little bit like being an Emirates employee. You've got the afternoon when you can do something else. <laughs> <laughs> look, better use this time to look for a part-time job or start a side hustle or start their own small business. Let's hear a couple of case examples, if we can. Uh, Elrona Silva de Souza is the managing partner for SNK Consulting. Uh, says it is a good time to look into what you enjoy doing and build on that. The main one that gives gives people an opportunity is to follow their passion and may see if that is a there is a possibility of converting their passion into a business and uh, you know dip their toes into those things so whether it's food preparation whether it is um, you know photography or it is you know arts or any of these other activities 
then, you know, this is a good time to, to explore that a little more. There's a, a lady that I know who loved to make cheese board. And uh, during Ramadan, she kind of set off on uh, exploring that opportunity. And she created a niche for herself, got in touch with suppliers and got ready to start promoting the cheese boards for iftar, which is different to what's our traditional iftar. And that kind of picked up more interest was generated through the network for her to, you know, explore that a bit more. Because, Neil, I suppose planning is key. With planning, you need time, etc. There's only been so many hours in the day. Yes, I know the Virtue Zone can aid you with that planning process. But in order to get your business plan in place, take advantage of the next couple of weeks. Hey, you know what that means? I can say AI. We have got a business planner you can use AI to do. Ten minutes and you've got a business plan that is approved by the banks. Seriously? So, yes, plan, Tom, but also use technology to help you. Why jump over hurdles when you can run on the flat? D'Souza says you can't plan enough during Ramadan. You have more time to do set planning. I think a lot of focus and discipline needs to be there to to make this uh, passion into a business and a lot of structure as well. What is your target customer? What kind of help do you need from people outside or external to you? If it is suppliers, if it is raw materials, how are you going to source them? So all of these things need to be ironed out before you launch your business. Not necessarily spend the money to do that, but have these answers to these questions and have a game plan before you go and launch. And then go and launch it in a in a place that where your customers are, whether they're on the social media, whether they're on in a fair or in a, you know in other networks, even WhatsApp groups. These are all places to explore. But you have to know where your customers are, and that is by you know one way to do that is by asking people that you think will be a potential customers. Yeah, the thoughts of Elrona Silva D'Souza, uh, the managing partner for SNK Consulting. And of course, uh, that you have to make sure that once you are making money from your side hustle, you have the right licenses in place. And in fact, a couple of questions coming through for Dr. Neil Petch as part of his company clinic today with regards to all things licenses. Taure has been in touch with us today saying, hi, Dr. Neil. And it literally says, Dr. Neil, does your company... Well, the, the answer is yes, then, just, just for being <laughs> so nice to call me there. Uh, does your company help with the golden visa application for property owners? Absolutely, it does. And that's a brilliant option to look at. There's an increasing range of ways that you can get the golden visa. There's still quite a high bar to, uh, to hit. But that I mean, just the very fact that that's a 10-year thing is, that makes you more efficient. So, yes, that's a, a hugely increasing part of our business. I'm interested to find out as well. I know it's only day one of uh, Ramadan 23, but I'm interested to know whether it's going to be a busy period for us all or not. I know we talk about traditional slowdowns, but given what's gone before, given what's happened in the first three months of this year, I don't know if it's going to be the same this year. Uh, honestly, it's it's just going to pile through. It, it 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 really is. I mean, why why are they building all these roads? Because they plan, as our earlier guest was uh, saying. There's a lot more people coming here, and it's time to make hay while the sun is shining, Tom. And the sun is certainly shining. Well, there we go. And there I was thinking that it was just you and I playing paddle in the <laughs> sunshine for the next four weeks. Not? No. Okay. 
Uh, I will, uh, of course, be uh, looking forward to next week. Before that, though, speaking of side hustles, uh, Saturday, 12 p.m., Sonal Rapani will get a crash course on how to set up your own YouTube channel. Uh, that's on her new show, The Reboot. But if you want to listen to uh, us again, of course, tune in next Thursday, uh, next week's edition of Starting Up with Virtue Zone. Big thanks to all of our guests. Uh, and a big thank you, reserved as well, of course, for uh, my co-host threat proceedings. I'm the goose to his maverick, especially on a day like this when I'm sounding a little bit thump thump. Um, I'm on my way on a train to Nottingham now. Reserve ticket to Nottingham, if that's all right. That's a very English joke, Tom, but it's been a pleasure having you as my boss yet again. You're the boss. The the consummate professional. Uh, Hashtag be your own boss, is that right? Hashtag be your own boss, baby. If you want to find out more, do take advantage of the Holy Month of Ramadan to get in touch with the team at Virtuzone and see how they can help you make your dreams come true. Uh, Neil Petch, thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Tom. I'll see you next week, uh, next Thursday from one through till two, starting up with Virtuzone.